This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks and today I have really got an exciting show for you. We are going to talk about Alexandrite. We're going to talk about this gemstone. We're going to talk about where it's found, some places you can even maybe be able to look for it. We're going to talk about how it's used in lasers. It's really an incredible mineral we're going to talk about. We're going to talk briefly about black onyx. We're going to talk about some more diamond collecting tips. We're going to maybe talk about element 85 we're going to talk about the pacific black opal that's for sale some really cool fossil news on a duckbill dinosaur and a tongue thrower of all things and much more we're going to talk about 3d printing and casting and semi-precious stones and we'll see if we have time for anything else. We're going to pack as much as we can into this. We want to thank you for supporting us by sharing, liking, taking part in our social media at Facebook, MeWe, um, and uh, YouTube, and um, our blog at RadicalRocksUSA.blogspot.com. I will put some of those links in the description for you so you can connect with us and help us keep getting this information out there and keeping our hobby alive. So let's get right into it. Now, a lot of times I get a lot of emails, and I also do a lot of searching for this information. But every once in a while, um, people who are trying to sell things will send some interesting information and tidbits. And um, sometimes I think about sharing these with you guys, but this is a company called Fire Mountain um, Gyms. And they sell a lot of beads and things like that, but they have interesting information to share with folks. They had a little article about black onyx, and um, they're selling some black onyx. They have uh, several products to sell. I'm not being sponsored by them or anything, just telling you about it. But they said that uh, black onyx varies from culture to culture for the meaning, but it comes from the Greek word onyx, which means fingernail or claw. And this is actually true onyx is a multi-layered chalcedony stone that was once popular among the ancient Romans and uh, had meaning for them. It was used uh, as decorative. It was carved. Um, Onyx stones are often pure black. Nowadays, some of them are dyed uh, for consistency. And, uh, of course, they have the... uh, metaphysical meanings of them and different things like that but uh, really a beautiful stone I know a lot of times in my um, podcast and also in some of our videos on YouTube we talk about onyx and typically we are finding the onyx that are made out of um, calcite and uh, other minerals like that that are layered um, and banded like an onyx which um, is what you know onyx really looks like okay so I thought I'd share that with you You can pick up some neat stuff from some of these uh, different uh, vendors and things like that that send us stuff now I want to share with you uh, at www.zmescience.com they've got an article uh, Fossil Friday amphibian trapped in amber is the first known tongue thrower now this article um, is dated November 6th by Alexandru Mikyu and previously this was found and they thought it was a chameleon. It's about two inches long not counting its tail 
But upon further investigation, they're saying that this is actually of an amphibian family that has a slingshot-style tongue. Now, if you're familiar with the chameleon lizards that can shoot their tongues out and catch a fly or an insect very quickly, um, quite quite amazing how they use pressure off a bone in their head to do this. And this is what they've identified in this amphibian. They're saying it's amphibian. And uh, that tongue can go an amazing speed when it's pressed up against um, that bone. They have pictures of the skull that show that so you can see how that is uh, actually designed. And the speed of that baby is 0 to 60 miles an hour in one hundredth of a, section, of a second. So that is the uh, about the fastest muscle in the animal kingdom for hunting insects anyway. So pretty amazing. So they're always learning more, you know, they always find something and then they do more research and then they say, well, you know, it wasn't this, it was that. So every time I read a lot of these things about the fossils, you know, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. We're just trying to understand it and share that information with you as it is assimilated to us. Now, a fossil of a duck-billed dinosaur has been found in what is called the wrong continent. Uh, traditionally, these are found in Africa at www.sciencealert.com by Mike McRae on November 6. He writes this article here about these duck-billed dinosaurs, and they're trying to figure out how did they get clear across these different continents? How did they leap uh, from one landmass to another? And they're looking at the time frames, and they don't really think that during the Creatius period um, there was a clear path um, because of the supercontinent um, and then some of the smaller continents that were across the ocean. Another gr uh, mass known as uh, Groundwana uh, is been found to have uh, a, a diversity of these long-necked uh, seropods, but they're also finding that uh, these are showing up in uh, Europe, they're showing up in Australia, South America, Africa, India, and I believe they said this was one found in Scotland. So they're all over the place being found. Um, they don't know how they got from Europe to Africa. They're thinking that they could have swam. Um, these babies were up to 45 feet in length. So uh, not, not a tiny creature at all. This is a huge creature. So they think uh, they were not capable of swimming hundreds of miles. So they would have had to make uh, little trips or perhaps maybe the oceans weren't, uh, weren't as deep as they thought in those areas. Who knows? But anyway, interesting article nonetheless. Next, um, we have a... Uh, geodes to highlight gym and mineral society market this is a little human interest article at www.mrt.com and uh, susan may of midland gym and mineral society published this on november 6th um, they're going to be putting on a show with all kinds of geodes they talk about geodes in a little bit of description there um, they're going to have a fall outdoor market from 10 to 4 saturdays um, there um selling rocks and grab bags and things like that, you can go to www.midlandgymandmineral.org and check that out. I believe that's in Texas. Okay. 
Um, there's a great article in the Las Vegas Sun. Um, it's https semicolon backslash backslash m dot lasvegassun.com and it's called Rock Stars Dig into the Colorful Realm of Semi-Precious Stones. It's on November 9th is when they wrote it by Moon Reed. And um, the article here is quite interesting. It goes into, uh, hey, you know, you don't have to have diamonds. Diamonds, you know, we know are a girl's best friend, but talks about uh, glossary. has a nice little glossary here for carrot, clarity, cut, matrix, uh, Ohm's hardness, giving descriptions of these. We've talked about these many times, um, but they talk about why are gemstones cut in a certain way. It goes into some description, like why would you cut a curve, uh, you know, a turquoise like a wafer and a garnet cut into facets, you know, and that has to do with their crystal um, structure and their chemical composition and how light would reflect off of that. And they have a variety of stones, 1 through 16 here, where they talk about these. And then um, they talk about semi-precious stones. Now, they're including alexandrite as a semi-precious stone. I would argue that it is very valuable and not a semi-precious stone. But uh, they also have aquamarine here, which, uh, yeah, I guess you can get some lower-grade aquamarine. Citrine, uh, garnet, howlite. Of course, some garnet can be very valuable as well. Howlite, jade, uh, labradite, um, lapis, uh, Lazula Lapis, Moonstone, Morganite, which Morganite's pretty pretty expensive too for really high quality. An opal, of course, is very expensive, but there's cheaper opals, um, Rose Quartz, and then Tanzanite. Now, I, th I would say Tanzanite is a rare stone. I would argue that one with them as well. But uh, they talk about the different birth stones and things like that. It's kind of an interesting article if you want to uh, read that. Um, Next, Digging for Diamonds. Now, we've talked about Digging for Diamonds quite a bit. This is a newer article. It was just written on the 8th by Robin O'Neill Smith, and she talks about Digging for Diamonds at the Crater of the Diamond State Park, 14 Things to Know at www.travelawaits.com. And um, there's some good tips in here. I'm not going to go over them all. We've talked about this a lot of times, and uh, we will continue to talk about it when things happen. But... Um, just mentions, you know, bringing, uh, shifting things, bringing your picnic items, um, maybe bringing a wheelbarrow or a cart, um, having barrels, you know, there's different ways of doing this. And we've talked about that where a lot of people will just shift things down to a smaller size. And, um, then you have more time to go through the stuff at the end of the day. You're allowed to bring one five gallon bucket, uh, home per person of shifted material. You know, they found over 35,000 diamonds there since it became a state park. I think that was about 1975, right around there. And it is open almost every day. I mean, they close for like Christmas and Thanksgiving and uh, a couple holidays. But other than that, they're open almost every single day. And they show you right where you can dig. And they say that it might be good to go... Um, on a day after it was plowed. If you can go there, it might be a little bit better. They talk about the different techniques such as surface searching, digging, screening, and shifting. They have places where you can rinse that off and look at it, wet screening uh, to get water, washing stations, so that's very handy. But um, wagons, buckets, shovels, flashlights, uh, you can't have any 
battery operated equipment or anything like that aside from the flashlight that's it and that helps on cloudy days they suggest you stay there for the whole day typically about two diamonds are found at the park per day it's about a 37 acre park so you know if you, the more days you spend there they let in up to 1500 people a day and then that's it there's no more people allowed in the park so that kind of tells your odds are 2 in 1,500 of finding one. So you want to increase your odds by going more days, um, you know, bringing your friends. So hopefully somebody will be the lucky recipient of one of these wonderful diamonds. Um, the big diamonds, they actually mark where some of the wonderful diamonds were found. So you kind of know, oh, there's one here, so you can dig around there. Um, there's also other rocks there such as jasper, agate quartz, amethyst, calcite, barite, mica, and lamperite. So you never know what you'll find. And uh, the crew is there to help you identify if you have found a diamond. And believe it or not, first-timers have found diamonds. And there is a story of a young man who found one there. He was only 10 years old, found a nice little diamond. So the other tips are, you know, bring sunscreen, wear clothing. You don't mind getting destroyed and muddy because it can get really muddy there. Bug spray might help, snacks, um, things like that. Pets must be leashed. Lots of good information there. So definitely one to put on the old bucket list. Now here's a great article. Again, another vendor. I'm not being sponsored to say this, so it's Rio Grande. Uh, just go to www.riogrande.com and look up Watch How CAD 3D Printing and Casting Come Together. Now I'm not going to go into this, but they've got a video here. Uh, it's a webinar. It's 90 minutes long where you can discuss 3D digital production for jewelry. And what they're going to do is they're going to let you talk. They're going to let you listen to an experienced member of their jewelry tech team walk you through different demonstrations of um, how a workflow from CAD to casting. Um, the agenda includes two shape tour demo from 3D print setup and demo, uh, casting demo, and question and answer um, time. Of course, they're probably you know selling a lot of equipment and hoping to to be able to to sell that stuff. But it will be interesting to learn that if you are interested in CAD, um, that's like AutoCAD for drawing. It's drafting and drawing, 3D printing and casting. Pretty amazing. So that might be something you want to take advantage of if that is your ball of wax. Okay. Now for our keynote address, and if we have time after that, I will talk about the rare Jerusalem gemstone, which is kind of an interesting um, article. But I want to get into Alexandrite. So I picked up a um, an email from www.thecloudtribune.com, and it was dated November 10th. Um, which is weird. Yeah, that's like tomorrow. So that's kind of weird. Um, but Alexandrite Gemstone Laser Markets to witness healthy growth end user product type segment to register fastest growth through 2030. So I was like, what the heck does that mean? Alexandrite Gemstone Lasers. So I did a little research. I read the article. Um, this Alexandrite, the gemstone, the beautiful gemstone, is used in making lasers and these lasers um, are used for all sorts of medical um, treatments 
So I looked up at uh, science, and, and there were just the article didn't really say anything about what it was used for specifically. It touched on it, but it mostly talked about this big demand for these Alexandrite laser gemstones. And after I did some research, I looked up sciencedirect.com and uh, looked up Alexandrite laser under that, and I found an article on the Alexandrite laser. Um, this laser that goes through this light is used to um, help um, preparation of dental hard tissue. Uh, it is used in dermatology procedures. Um, it is moved for nerves of the OTA removal, leg vein treatment, hair removal, and tattoo removal, amongst many, many other things for medical. And um, it decreases enamel hardness surrounding um, irradiated zones uh, that... that uh, um, can help in other treatments and things like that. It's just amazing what the, what they do. They put different wavelengths through this and can do di different dental treatments. Um, the Alexandrite laser causes no metamorphic damage to the enamel surface or root uh, part of the root. Pretty interesting. This is kind of a high level article here, but in this um, research of Alexandrite and finding out it was used for lasers. I wanted to go deeper and uh, I wanted to find out more about Alexandrite. So I went to gia.edu and looked up Alexandrite. They have an overview there of Alexandrite and uh, it says green in sunlight, red in lamplight. Color changing Alexandrite is nature's magic trick. And um, there's also another saying uh, about Alexandrite. The gym aficionados call Alexandrite the emerald by day, the ruby by night. And that's because of a color change. Now, that's not the only color change. Alexandrite is a very rare color changing variety of the mineral chrysoberyl. And it was originally discovered in Russia's Ural Mountains in the 1830s and now is found in Sri Lanka, East Africa, Brazil. But the extremely fine material is very rare and very, very valuable. So there are some treatments and uh, processes that are used to alter the color or improve the durability of the stones. Um, you can look those up on this site at GIA. Um, there's synthetics to watch out for. There's imitations to watch out for. All of these things are things you want to um, be careful of. Alexandrite is a birthstone for June along with the pearl and the moonstone, which uh, pearl, you know, not everybody wants a organic stone. They want maybe a gemstone. Moonstone is beautiful, but it does break easy. It is fragile. Uh, Alexandrite um, is a pretty good stone, pretty hard stone. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, go um, swinging hammers with it or anything or be working on cars or anything with it. But, you know, for... Uh, for a lot of people that can go about their day-to-day -day stuff without too much of a fear, but uh, maybe not clanking around in dishes or things like that might not be a good idea. So some of the facts about uh, uh, Alexandrite is it is a bluish green in daylight, purplish red in uh, incandescent light. Um, it is very, uh, it's fairly refractive. The specific gravity is 3.73, and on the Mohs, it is a nice hard 8.5 hardness typically. Um, so we love it because of the color change. Um, we love the different colors in the gym, 
and that phenomenon of uh, color change. Plus, it can be found in a cat's eye occasionally, which is very rare and highly desired. It's very rare with the needle-like inclusions that can create a cat's eye. Very collectible. Um, the cut is important, and uh, there are different cuts that are used for it, but uh, all of them are very nice. Of course, with the cat's eye, it's going to be either round or oblong um, uh, cabochon type um, cut and polish. Okay. Um, what else? Let's go to where places that Alexandrite can be found. Um, again, Alexandrite was found in the Russian emerald mines near the um, Tokovoya River, named after Tsar Alexander II because it was discovered on the same day as his birthday. And uh, this stone has been fashioned to make some very beautiful jewelry. If you have a piece over a carat you ha and it is of good quality, you have an extremely valuable and rare gemstone. Um, it is known as a chameleon-like stone because of its color change. Excuse me. <coughs> now, you can find some of these jewelry notes at jewelrysnotes.com. Um, just look up places where alexandrite can be found and you will find this information um, it can be bluish green in natural light red magenta raspberry and red under an incandescent light now everything that was found in russia has pretty much been mined out uh, according to what i'm reading okay maybe there's some new deposits but it's also been found in brazil india and new mexico New Mexico. Wow. Sounds fun. Sounds exciting here in America. Sounds like something I'd like to check out. And Alexandrite mines in India are very dangerous and uh, people are not very welcoming to strangers there. Um, you could also do some serious prison time. So um, you would want to buy this on the market. You would want to go there and try to buy it directly. It could be very dangerous according to this article. Alexandrite in the USA is found in the La Madra Mountains in Rio Arabia County, New Mexico. And uh, occasionally they find a few um, gems there with the color changing properties. So you will need a permit to collect there according to this article. And um, it's going to be hard to find. But, you know, if you want to put that on your bucket list, maybe, maybe something will happen. Um, a rare gem. Yes, beautiful. Where to buy it? They have a link here where you can buy it. Of course, I would suggest going to gym and mineral shows. So if you're still with me and you want one more fun-filled uh, gym and mineral news, I have one. One last one. <laughs> uh, it's at thedailybeast.com. The rare discovery in Jerusalem has two mysteries. If you've ever been to Jerusalem... Um, there is the West Wall, and across from that, uh, there is a, um, a Palestinian area where they've been digging and uh, remodeling and stuff, and that is where the city of David once was, and they found quite a, quite a bit of stuff there. They found a dime-sized jasper stone here that uh, dates to the first century A.D., and one of the things that's unusual is it has a Greek god Apollo on it, so you were thinking, you know, Jews don't typically... Um, have things like that because they believe in a monolithic um, god 
and not uh not a uh you know a deity of uh, many many uh, you know a religion of many many different gods such as the Greeks and the god of Apollo so this engraving has a profile of Apollo with his long flowing hair and his prominent nose and chin about 13 millimeters and it was designed as a seal for stamping personal correspondence um, and things like that it was made of an agate another uh, interesting thing um, that was found here is um, that it is extremely rare because it is the engraving is so small and fine and delicate that it borderlines um, for those of us with normal eyesight it borderlines of having to have a magnifying glass to be able to do this type of work so they were theorizing well was any kind of a glass like that around and really there wasn't so then the other thing that was discussed is maybe children you know because children uh, actually have a type of vision that allows them to see a very finite up close details of um, uh, of things but yet they wouldn't probably have gained the uh, eye-hand coordination that would have been necessary for making this type of, uh, of of craftsmanship. So they feel that what they've located here is that there are people who suffer of myopia, which is nearsightedness. And um, this was actually an advantage at that time for people able to see close-up objects more accurately and clear um, than those with normal vision or perfect vision. And they had this built-in magnification and likely this would be hereditary and uh, these type of folks would be able to illuminate uh, uh, would be uh, working on manuscripts carving gem seals uh, making dies for which coins were cast and all of these uh, things and they would have to have not just a steady hand and artistic skills but the heightened ability to see these small details so very interesting um, article lots of nice findings over there in Jerusalem from time to time and this one was gemstone related this was an agate uh, carving of a gemstone so I thought I'd share that with you guys uh, that's it for now guys uh, get connected be part of our group and remember rock hounds don't die they petrify <laughs>